an exciting day when we have baptism. And looking forward to, to that. And just so grateful for, for the chance we get to be a part of what God's doing in people's lives. But I know that not all of us walked in here maybe super excited about life. I know that you may have walked in here with some things going on in your life that are, that are tough. Maybe one of those tough things is eating your vegetables. <laughs> Anybody, when you were a kid, you had a tough time eating your vegetables? You're like, I don't want to do this. These are gross, especially if they're green, yeah. right? Kids don't like eating their vegetables very often. And it's difficult sometimes as parents, because as parents, like, we've tried to convince our kids, like, no, you, like, this is good for you. You need to eat this. And I'm like, well, if it's good for me, why does it taste like vomit? You know? But... But we do, right? We, 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 we try to tell our kids and, and, and hopefully they have faith in us knowing that we're not leading them astray, that we're telling them you need to do this because it's good for you. I remember when uh, my sister and I actually still talk about this. Um, my, we made, you know, we were having dinner and my, my dad decided to put food coloring in, in the corn. Just made like a can of corn, you know what I mean? Put blue food coloring in the corn, set it down on the table and it's like green corn. And we're like, no. It didn't taste any different because it was just food coloring, but you couldn't have told me that because it, did, it, taste, it just tasted gross. It didn't actually taste gross, but it looked like it tasted gross because the corn was now green. And so we just didn't eat it, even though it was still the exact same vegetable. Um, but you know, kids oftentimes, they'll, they'll do the things that, that we ask them to, even if they question it, if they understand a couple of things, one of them might be that they're, they're trusting that their parents know better. So they're trusting that their parents know better or the consequences that will come if I don't, right? But ultimately, it really does come down to faith and trust. Talking about being tested. Last week, we started a series and we're gonna continue talking about this throughout the month, about the, the, having faith in the struggle, and so we're looking at instances where God's people are, are tested and, and how they react and, and respond, how they deal with it, how they overcome the challenges and ultimately turn to the power of Jesus in those times. And so I hope that this series actually helps us all to understand that because I fail to believe that there's not some of us or a lot of us who walked in here today. And if you could really kind of quantify it, you would say, yeah, I'm, I'm in a season of being tested right now, or it feels like that every day or something happened uh, maybe even yesterday that... that you walked in here with a little bit of that like weight on your shoulders. There's a lot of people in scripture who were tested. But you know, we, we gotta ask the question, if we're, if we're believers, and God loves us so much, Jesus loves us so much, why do we have to go through these things? If, if he loves us so much, why do we have to go through this stuff? Have you ever been asked to do something that seemed really outrageous at the time? and you were given no reason as to why you were to do this thing. Maybe it was at work, maybe your coach, you know, playing sports, maybe your coach asked you to do something and you're like, why? Why, why are we doing this? I don't understand this. This seems crazy. This seems like something that I shouldn't be doing. I remember when I was about uh, eight years old, something like that. Um, I, I was in uh, Chinese uh, martial arts, Shaolin Kung Fu, from the time I was seven till I was about 19. And I remember when I was about eight, eight or nine maybe, we started doing something called three-star training. If you don't know what this is, 
I'm, I'll kind of show you, tell you. Um, Three-star training, I, I had no idea why. And I didn't know why for a few years. But essentially what you do is you line up across from somebody and, and you, you're hitting forearms. So like you would swing your forearm this way and I would swing mine and you, you know, you're like hitting. So you're like hit here, hit here, hit here. That's your three, right? Hit, 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 and then like that. And, and you start off soft. But once you kind of get in rhythm, you're, you're hitting kind of hard. And you know, of course, like how guys were like, I'm gonna break his arm. And so you're trying to hit even harder than the other guy. You know what I mean? Like I'm just gonna swing right through it. Um, Cause guys, and we're dumb. But, but so you're starting to like work this up. And I'm like eight or nine when I start this. And, I, and you know, when, when you're doing it, you're just getting the technique. And then he's like, okay, start actually hitting a little bit. And I'm like, why? This hurts. You know, and it really did. Like I remember coming home with, you know, some bruises on my forearms. Um, and you're doing this. And like literally we did this every class for, I don't know, three or four years before I really realized what was going on here. And, and I didn't really ask because you don't talk during class unless you want to do push-ups or something. And so I'm just like, okay, I'm doing this. And then when I got about 13, 14, we started getting into kickboxing. And I remember we get into kickboxing, person across from me kicks in my head, right? And I'm like, boom, and I block it. And he kicked hard and I didn't feel nothing. And I'm like, oh, right? And then another punch come at me and I block it and I block it. And I block, and, and I'm like, it doesn't hurt. I'm like, oh. And my teacher's like, three star. I'm like, got it. You know, now I'd been doing that for years. And so I, I built that up. I had no idea why I was doing that at the time. Ended up paying off later in life. And still to this day, my, my, I mean, it doesn't look like it because I'm not um, anything. But, the, <laughs> but I still have kind of, you know, I, I still kind of have some muscles going on right here. From, from that time, because you just build it up over years and years. Um, I'm, seriously, it's there. You can't really see it, but I promise. <laughs> but I trusted my teacher. I had faith that what he was asking me to do was actually going to prepare me for what was to come later. There was a man in the Bible who was tested often, was asked to do a couple of things without much information. And his name was Abraham. God asked him at one point to actually leave the comforts of home and, and to, to go until God told him to stop. And he said, well, where am I going? And God's like, I'll tell you when you get there. <laughs> okay. And so he did. That was in Genesis 12. But as tough as that was, the most intense command that he was given was in Genesis 22. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Genesis 22. This is a tough tough story. This is a hard story to comprehend. This is not an easy one to go through. This is not an easy one to read. It's not an easy one to teach. Here's what it says. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am. He said, then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac. Go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. Yikes. So it says in, in, in verse one that God tested Abraham. This doesn't seem right. This seems messed up. I mean, let's just call it what it is. He's 75 years old when God promises him, because here's some backstory. God promised him a son promised him a son that, that the nations would, 
would be born out of. And so he and his wife wait 25 years for this son to be born. He's 100. People lived longer then. He's 100 when he's born. So he's waiting 25 years for this, for this son. We don't know how long after he was born. We don't really know how old Isaac was at this time. Anywhere from a teenager to maybe 30 years old, depending on where you read. He didn't know this was a test, though. Abraham didn't know this was a test. At least he didn't in that moment, or at least it wasn't said to him that way from the text that we have. How would you have reacted? How would you have reacted if you were Abraham and you were given this test? I know as a father, I... Abraham didn't know why God was testing him and asking him to do something so difficult. But Abraham actually demonstrated a faith in God's character and showed it through his actions. Let's keep reading in verse three. It says, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. And we will worship and then we will come back to you. So Abraham did some things here right off the bat to show his trust in the character of God. Character meaning the moral qualities that are distinct to an individual. So the moral qualities that are distinct to God. Abraham is aware of these things and he knows these things. First of all, Abraham gets up early, it says, to go and do this. I would have probably not got up early to do this. Most people, I would think, would have delayed the process and attempt to avoid it. But maybe more realistically, probably just couldn't sleep. How, how well would you be sleeping the night before something like this? Um, I know I wouldn't be sleeping at all. Secondly, Abraham instructs his men here to stay behind because when he and Isaac were done worshiping, it says that he said that they would both return. He says, we will come back to you. That says something. That was, that was confidence in God's faithfulness as well as just being a good dad, quite frankly. This was not God-ordained child abuse and Abraham knew it. Let's go to verse six. It says, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and he said to his father, he said, father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. That must have been the hardest sentence in the world to say. See, the way he showed faith in God's character here. See, when Isaac asked him about the offering, he responded that God would provide it. He didn't stop trusting because God's answer to the problem wasn't right there in front of him. He didn't stop trusting just because he didn't know how God was going to provide. He just knew that he would. 
don't know about you, but I can already see my failure in many ways in this story. And maybe you can too. How many times have we inadvertently or in in some way, shape, or form said, God, I don't have the answer right in front of me right now. It's not right here right now, so you must just be leaving me hang out to dry. Now, does that mean that we just throw caution to the wind? (laughs) No. And just in every situation go, well, God will provide. And he might, but maybe not in the way that you think he will. No, see, we should use our brains because we have... We have sense, not all of us have common sense, it's not that common, but we should, God does though, here's the thing, we should plan and prepare and we should head in the direction that God tells us and we should stay obedient to the best of our ability with the limited knowledge that we have in the time and we trust that by faith, he's gonna let me know what I need to know when I need to know it. But that's hard. That's not easy. If you go to Hebrews chapter 11, there's this chapter, it's called the Hall of Faith. And in this chapter, you're seeing people who have faith, incredible faith that we can learn from. And Abraham is listed in here. It says this in verse 17, it says it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Why? Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. See, it says it was by faith. Over again in that chapter, you're going to see it was by faith, it was by faith, it was by faith. But let's call it what it is. This whole thing seems like a crazy, unfair contradiction of God. I mean, it just does, right, right, off, right off the bat. Why, why make these promises, God? Why make these promises? Why make me and my wife wait this whole time just to have me sacrifice him? This doesn't make sense. Abraham doesn't say that, though. But as we're reading it, that's kind of a, that's kind of a, a natural response to that. See, he had faith in the fact that this didn't make sense. You, you follow me? Abraham had faith in the fact that this didn't make sense because God is a God of common sense, God of consistency and faithfulness. But it sure didn't seem like it right here. Should we ask our questions of God? Yeah, ask your questions. Absolutely, we should definitely do that. But you know what? Be ready for an answer that's gonna hit different because it's not always the answer that we're looking for. Look at the next verse, verse 19. It says, Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. See, this tells us what he believed and that helped him to resolve the seeming contradiction between God's promise and what God was asking of him in the moment. See, it was by faith and reason. It was by faith and reason. It was both, because the Christian life is both. It is faith and reason. There are good reasons for faith. But our trust in God's character, that helps us in the moments when the sky seems dark and it seems like God just doesn't make sense. When tests are happening, we have a tendency to just leave reason at the door, don't we? 
tests are happening, things are going on, I don't get what's going on, and we just leave reason at the door. We just, our brains just start going and, and trailing off. I know I'm not the only one. This situation with Abraham gives us plenty of reason, initially, to think that reason was left at the door, especially if we look at it from a human perspective. But, but God does not abandon reason. We know that Abraham trusted that God would somehow intervene because Hebrews tells us this. In these verses we're reading, it says that he trusted so much in the promises of God that he figured if he actually had to go through with this, that God would raise his son from the dead. Why? Because of the things that happened in the past. He knew God was going to be faithful. And if God was going to promise that Isaac was going to be the one that the, nation, that the nations came from, then there's no way him being dead would actually continue to be a thing because that would make God a liar. And God is not a liar. It's an incredible faith. A level of faith that I, I don't know if we all understand or, or get. And I think that's why God gave him, you know, a three-day journey to think about it, quite frankly. That three-day journey, can you imagine all of the things going through his head, even some of the conversations to be had? Jesus tells us that our faith only needs to be the size of a mustard seed. And if that's the case, then I guess I'm looking at mine and going, it's smaller than the head of a pin of a needle. Because I don't know where I would fall on this. Do you know what Abraham's secret was? His secret was that he fully and completely trusted the person giving the test. He fully and completely trusted the person giving the test. It says he considered that God was able in verse 19 in Hebrews 11. We have to ask ourselves if we trust that God is able in the middle of tests that he wrote maybe specifically for you and for me, is God able See, God hadn't let Abraham down, hadn't let him down in the past, and Abraham knew that God wouldn't begin to fail him now during what seemed like a pretty unconventional and crazy test. So is God able? Is, is God able? Do you trust that God is able to take care of any situation? We can say, yeah, but do we really, really trust that? Do you trust that he sees more than you see? Do you trust that his will and his knowledge are better than yours? See, Abraham wasn't perfect, not by any stretch. Read through his stories. But he demonstrated faith, incredible faith in his creator by going through with a command that was given. If you don't know, here's how the story ends. It says, when they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. The angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. 
we have an incredible picture here, an illustration in many ways of the work of Jesus on the cross that happened thousands of years later. The son of promise willingly went to be sacrificed in obedience to his father, carrying the wood of the sacrifice up the hill, all with the full confidence and promise of resurrection. And the result? For Abraham, his faith grew. His faith grew, and he was more prepared for upcoming tests and further growth in his faith, but he, in his faith, but he was willing to give up what was most precious to him. He was willing to give what was most precious to him back to God. What is most precious to you? What is most precious to you? Is it kids, family, job, stuff? The answer is probably a bit different for all of us. Will we be able to do as Abraham did and have the faith to give it up and lay it at the feet of Jesus, trusting that God knew what he was doing? Could be, could be your own kids in your life, maybe God wanting to send them to the mission field and having a tough time with that. Maybe sending them off to school and you're having a tough time with that. If that's God's will and that's what he's asking for you, Maybe it's your home, maybe it's, maybe it's your car, maybe it's your career, maybe it's a lot of things it could be. Again, it's probably different for all of us. But God wants us to turn them all over to him and to trust him with each of those things. So here's my connection point for you. Here's the one thing I want you to walk away with today. It's actually a question able to trust him when you are tested are you able to trust him when you are tested not will you that's different I worded this this way on purpose are you able to trust him when you're tested I want you to really think about that think about yourself what is something in your life that you are hesitant to trust God with. I'm sure you've got something. I'm sure you've got a few somethings. What is it in your life that you are hesitant to entrust God with? If you're having a hard time saying yes, then can you truly say that you truly know him for who he is? Maybe you don't really have a great grasp of the character of God yet. Maybe that aspect of your faith needs to continue to grow. Or I would ask, do you actually have a relationship with God? Has it just been surface level? Is this, is church just been something you do, not something you are? Is, is your relationship with God really a relationship with God? I want to challenge you this week to reflect on the character of God in your life. Even right now, in this moment. What do you need to release control over? Maybe it's that person. Maybe it's that thing. Maybe it's that situation. Maybe God's asking you to release control over that, to sacrifice that 
so that he can provide. That thing might actually be the wall that's between you and the Lord right now. Have you really been honest with God? Will you bow your heads with me? If you just feel like that wall has been there, I'd be willing to bet that it's because there's something you haven't been willing to, to surrender and, and, and lay down at his feet. <laughs> Listen, we're, we're all there. We've all been there. It's, it's, it's not easy. I'm not going to stand up here and say that I don't have things that I, I still try to hold on to that, I mean, we all do it. What's the Lord asking you to lay down at his feet? And, and if you don't, if you maybe haven't just laid down your entire life at his feet, that's really what salvation is all about. That's what this baptism pool is representing. It's a representation because you're, you're, you're no more vulnerable than you are when you're in, in this baptism pool, letting somebody dunk you underwater. You're releasing control. I wonder if maybe the reason you haven't given your life to Jesus is, is because there's something you've been holding on to. Do you, do you think that maybe you're able to lay that down at his feet today? And if you, if you have maybe that thing that's in your mind, that's in your heart, and you haven't given that over to the Lord, I would, I would encourage you to do that right now. And if you're not sure that you're gonna be with Jesus in heaven one day, if you don't know that you have a relationship with him, listen, the, the Christian life is all about surrender. It's all about handing it all over to him. If you want to give your life to Jesus, if you, if you want to trust Jesus as Savior and get baptized right here, right now, today, we'll figure out dry clothes. Let's make it happen. If that's you, I would encourage you right now. There's people in yellow lanyards and, or, or people that would even come up here and just pray with you. If, if, if that's you and you want to know more about that, this is what we're here for. This is what this is about. Let's get right with God today. Let's, let's lay down at his feet. Let's sacrifice at his feet what, what needs to be laid down. Heavenly Father, I love you. I thank you so much for your love. Lord, I, I thank you that I thank you that you do ask sometimes the hard things of us, God, that you, that you do test us because sometimes we won't listen any other way. Lord, your word says to count it all joy when trials come our way because we know that you're building endurance and, and, and faith in us. Lord, stories like this of Abraham, these are hard to understand. But God, you provide in miraculous ways. And you did incredible things. And you are continuing to do incredible things. And we thank you. And Lord, I do pray that your spirit would continue to move through this place. Lord, if there is someone here that doesn't know you, whatever's holding them back, whatever's keeping them back, that thing that they won't lay down, Lord, I pray that they would do that now. I pray that your Holy Spirit would push on them now. Lord, that they would even be willing to just jump out of their seat and come forward. And someone would pray with them and show them the truth, the good news of Jesus. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. In your name we pray.